Everyone, welcome to part one of a three-part series that we're doing on the book of Habakkuk, uh, where we're going to be looking at the driving question of why doesn't God seem fair? And a lot of this content of the series, in fact, the, the, the really heavy lifting of the, the content of the series comes from uh, Craig Rochelle at Life Church, and so I just want to make sure we're giving credit where credit is due. Um, so if you don't like it, you can send him an email. Um, no, but we thought this would be a great series uh, as we learn to dive into God's word together and to talk through the difficulties and not always having and knowing the answers to questions. And so before we jump in, as I always like to do, um, let's open up this time and ask God to really uh, just speak to us tonight. So God, we, we just invite you into this time, Lord. God, we first acknowledge that, that you are good, that you are holy, and God, that your ways are higher than our ways. And God, there's times in our lives when we don't understand always your ways, but we still know that you, you know the bigger picture, Lord. And so we trust you and we, we seek you, Lord. And as we open your word today, we pray that the words would come alive um, in each of our hearts, Lord, and that we receive it in the way that you intended when you inspired these words to be written in the first place, God. And so we just pray for our hearts and our minds to be open to your spirit, ask for your anointing um, over this message. And, and that we just draw closer to you, Lord. And anything that is not of you, we just pray would be quickly dismissed. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So I'm sure many of you notice there's, there's many questions in this life that we find they're difficult to answer. And I kind of wanted to share some more lighthearted ones first before we get into the deeper, deeper question. But like, questions of like, like, why do we say the alarm clock is going off, when in reality it's coming on, right? And, and why do we drive on parkways, but we park on driveways? And the last one is like, why, why do we say sleep like a baby when the reality is babies wake up like every two hours and if you haven't experienced that someday in your life, maybe you will. I have. And so, um, but yeah, these are obviously more lighthearted questions. But tonight, we're going to be looking at the bigger question of, of why doesn't God seem fair? And maybe you've asked this question before and, and you want to know. And, and so we're going, to, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we can learn some sort of answer to these questions. And so looking at the very start of Habakkuk, uh, in verse 2, you can see right away that he's asking similar questions of why doesn't God seem fair? And so in verse uh, 2 through 3, it says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. And so if you fast forward from the Old Testament book, to today, people ask these same similar questions. They, they ask questions of why, why do evil people seem to prosper and, and good people, all these, these horrible, difficult, bad things happen to them? Like, why is it that the, the bad person, for some reason, they do all this bad stuff in their life and they tend to live to like 102, but then the, the great Christian mother or father dies of cancer at 42? Like, like, what is up with that, God? Or like, how come when I try to do, like, what your word says, like, I'm trying to give 
financially and, and tithe and, and it never seems, never seem to be blessed by it. But then I see people who aren't even trying to give, they are constantly getting generously blessed. And where when people are praying, it seems like, like God, you answer their prayers right away. But when I pray, it seems as though you do nothing at all. Or how come maybe I have these headaches all the time that don't go away? Or how come I'm battling depression? Or how come someone I love is going through all of this? And God, it seems like you could do something, but you don't. So why? Like, why don't you seem fair? And now as we study the the book of Habakkuk, we're going to find that Habakkuk is asking God questions like this. And it's not that he doesn't know God or love God, because he actually is incredibly in love with God. And he has a very rich faith. But he, like so many people, crash headlong into a faith wall. And that's the things that he saw didn't line up with the things that he believed. And it was a very difficult season for him. And maybe, maybe many of you can relate to that tonight as well. And so I'd like to kind of give a little bit of context of the book of Habakkuk to bring some broader understanding. Habakkuk is, is known um, as one of the 12 minor prophets. There's 12 smaller books in the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. And of the 12, we probably know the least about Habakkuk um, than any of the others. We don't know much of, about him at all, but we do. Um, we know that he was most likely a temple musician. And then at some point in his life, he became a priest and then a prophet. For those of you that don't know what a prophet is, it's someone who would speak on behalf of God. Like God would say, okay, Habakkuk, this is what I want you to tell these people. And, and so Habakkuk would prophesy or speak whatever God told him to. And, and this book, Habakkuk, it's in, it was um, written in about the, the year 600 B.C., give or take a little. We don't know exactly. But we do know that at that time, it was when God's people were becoming very corrupt. There was violence. There was corruption. There was all sorts of fights. There was a lot of ungodliness. And you could say, really, it was a lot like the world that we live in today. There were bad people doing bad things to good people. And even the good people were not so good. And so God speaks to the prophet. He says, these people that I love, they're becoming increasingly wicked. And for your own good, basically, I'm going to punish you. But what you need to understand is I'm going to take a far worse people those who are much more evil than you, and I'm going to use them to destroy you. You can imagine that Habakkuk's like, what? Like, huh? That doesn't seem fair to me at all. And that's why perhaps maybe Habakkuk's name, it actually means to embrace or to wrestle. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch Habakkuk uh, wrestle with God. We're going to watch him embrace God through some very difficult times. And what we'll find is that unlike so many maybe shows or stories that we come to love where it might start off with a little bit of humor, have a little bit of tension, but then you can nicely tie it up at the end and you kind of go on with your life and everything's okay. You're not going to get that kind of message from Habakkuk. And in fact, you're going to get the opposite, something more like, in my opinion, that resembles real life. Tension, drama, and and plenty of unanswered questions. And so with that foundation built, let's, let's dive into this book of Habakkuk. And so going back to verse 1, it reads, The oracle that Habakkuk the, the prophet received. In Hebrew, the, the word oracle means utterance. It means doom, 
a burden. And so what God gave the prophet was a burden, a dooming message, a message that he's going to say, like, God, I don't, I don't want to tell him this. I don't like this. They're not going to like this. I don't see anything good in this. In fact, he's going to push back. He's, he's one of the only 12 minor prophets that actually pushes back and argues with God. And we see this in verse 3. He says, God, why do you make me look at injustice? He says, why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction, and violence are before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. Again, in other words, if you were to, to bring this into like modern day situations, it'd be like, like God, I don't get it. There's this, this person who's been drunk driving. He's got four DUIs and he crashes into an, an innocent four-year-old girl and dies. Like, how do you, what is that all about, God? Like, why? Or there's this woman that's hopping from bed to bed to bed as she's, she's, getting pregnant and, and, and she's aborting her kids after kids. And, and, and then there's this godly couple that have been praying for just the, the chance to have a baby and they can't have a baby. And you're like, God, what is, what is with that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why? What do you do? Like, when, when there's kids that are going to schools and there's an angry 14-year-old that brings a gun and kills eight innocent children. Like, where are you in that, God? Terrorism, corruption in the workplace. God, where are you at? Is basically what Habakkuk is saying. He goes on in verse 4, he says, Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And so as, as far as I can see, nothing is turning out fair. And so basically Habakkuk has three major problems with God. And we'll summarize them. The first one, he's saying, God, basically number one, you, you don't seem to care. You're letting all these things go in the world that don't seem fair. So, God, you, you must not even care. And the second complaint is this, God, you aren't doing much when you could. And now there's actually some sort of respect in this because he's as if to say that, God, I know that you, you could. You're all powerful. I believe you could. You could do this one little thing and that everything, would, it would change everything. And I don't know why you're, you won't do it. You don't really seem to care. You're not doing much when you could. And then the third complaint he has is, God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. In other words, what Habakkuk is saying is, God, if I were in your shoes, I would do things totally different. And be honest, how many of you would ever have a thought, something like that? Just me? Okay. Yeah, well, some of you brave people, I can't believe you actually did raise your hand because you're basically saying, God, I would, I would do it differently than you. I'd do it better than you. And now you're all going to go home with flat tires and get a bad rash before you go to bed or something. Obviously, I'm not being serious here, but don't we sometimes think this way? Like, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to, to question God or admit to God that, that we don't understand. But when you look at Scripture, you see it's, it's absolutely fair game to question God at times. In fact, not only is it fair game, but there are times when questioning God can become a huge part, a very significant part of your faith journey. 
if you read the Psalms sometime, fully like a third of the Psalms are people crying out, God, what's going on here? Like, God, are you going to rescue me? Are you going to leave me here forever? Or look at the book of Job or Lamentations. You have these godly people that are, that are crying out like, God, have mercy on me. I've been doing everything that you've asked me to do. Like, what's going on here? And if you don't believe that, you can skip over to the New Testament and look at Jesus when he's on the cross, completely obedient to his Father in every single way. Then as he becomes sin for us, God pours out his wrath upon Jesus. And God turns away and Jesus is saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? So many people, I think, are afraid of bringing very sincere questions to God. And I would argue that sometimes a very important part of our faith journey would be talking and honestly to God and taking questions before him. So here's where a lot of people are. What do you do when what you see with your eyes is so different than what you believe in your heart? This was Habakkuk's his foundational challenge. And let me try to describe it this way. So I know you guys are all been like, what is this snake doing up here? And totally distracting you. I didn't want to take the time to have to draw it in front of you or turn my back to you. So that's why it was already here. But let's, let's describe it this way. So let's say, imagine this person right here. And this person is without Christ. And maybe, maybe that person is you. And I would say that God is doing an amazing thing. And, and the cool thing is that God has brought all of you here, many of you here, because he's, he's reaching out to you and your hearts are softening to him. But so do you imagine you're there. But then the Holy Spirit, it starts to do a work in you as you, you've been coming and all of a sudden you come to this place where you're like, God, I, I believe you. I believe that you're real. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and, and that you forgive me and I surrender my life to you. And your life starts to change. And it actually skyrockets to this place where it feels like this, almost like this spiritual high. And it's like you're praying and it's God is like immediately answering these prayers. And, and you're experiencing like just major life changes, so much so that your friends are like, you're weird. Like what happened? Um, and you're going to church. You're excited about going to church. You listen to the message and it feels as though the message is like speaking literally to you. Like God is just specifically saying something to you. You're like, this is amazing. God like sees me. I know that I'm, I'm seen by him and he loves me. And then you're excited. You, you're leaving the church. You get in your car. You turn on the radio. And it's like your favorite worship song just happens to come on. And you're like, this is incredible. I love it. And then you're, you're going to the gym and you're praying for close parking because God forbid nobody likes to walk a long ways before going to the gym. And, but you get the point. Like it just feels like you're locked in. Like God is 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 stride by stride right with you and everything is going awesome and you're just loving this place. It's amazing, right? And then all of a sudden, a little bit of time goes by and you go to church and the message doesn't really resonate with you. You're kind of like, eh, that was weird. You might be feeling that way right now tonight. Uh, then you go out to your car and you turn on the radio and you don't really like the song that's playing. You're like, that's even weirder. And then you're praying and instead of God answering your prayers, it's like the opposite happens. And you're like, that's not good. What's going on? And, or maybe, you know, you have someone that you love that gets sick. And they don't get better. 
or someone you care about gets in an accident, things don't turn out the way that you thought they would. And you enter into this place that they call the crisis of belief. It's like everything was just amazing up here, got it, like things are happening, and then all of a sudden it's like you find yourself in this place where like, God, what, what happened? We're like, I thought, you, you know, all these things were, were going great, and, and now I don't know what I believe. I don't even know what I think about you anymore. And typically when this happens, people have, can go like, they go one or two ways. One, they naively go into this place where they're like, I don't want to feel these things that I'm feeling, so I want to go back to where it felt awesome and amazing. And so they want to try to, it's almost like they're denying like what's really happening here. They don't even want to deal with the feelings. Like if a doctor said like you're sick, they're like, no, 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 I rebuke that, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm good and, and I'm healed and, and, and it's almost like they're denying this reality or, or um, you know, like they're, they're told that, that they're gonna, they're, they lost a job and they're like, I, I'm just going to trust that God's going to provide. I'm not even going to look for it. I'm just going to trust that God's going to provide. So it gets a little bit dangerous because they're denying reality in this moment. So that's one option. The other option is they get mad and they're like, you know what? God, you're not doing what I thought you were doing, and, uh, and maybe you're not who I thought you were, and maybe you're not even real, and, and I, I don't think I really even want to follow you anymore, God. And they go back to this place of before the relationship with God, like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand you, so I don't even want to follow you. What do you do when what you see isn't consistent with what you believe, and you're not sure what you think about God. Again, well, you can attempt to kind of ignore it and try to go back to where it was amazing. And I know some of you who've gone on converged trips, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have this amazing week and everything is awesome. And you come back to, to reality and you're like, oh, I don't like this reality. I want to just go back to where everything felt amazing and awesome, right? So that's one option. Or people get mad and they walk away and they go back to a life where God was not a part of it and they have no relationship with him. Or another option is you, it's a more difficult road that you say, God, I'm still going to trust you. And it doesn't mean that things are going to immediately get better. In fact, it might even get harder. You might experience even more pain. You might have even more faith struggles. But if you continue to stick with God, no matter what's going on around you, I can assure you that you can hold on, and if you hold on to him, that you will get to this place where you feel so intimate and secure and trusting of him. If you're willing to go through the season of doubt and hardships, you'll find yourself in a place that you never believed to be possible in your relationship with God. The New Testament says it this way in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So whenever you're facing trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God may lovingly allow you to go through seasons of doubts and questioning, insecurities and unanswered questions because he'll do something in you that he could not do any other way. And I'm a testimony of that today. Like I could tell you guys, like I would not be up here doing this job if it wasn't for the difficult struggle and the road that I had to take to get here. I remember there was a time when, when Holly, my wife and I, we living in San Diego. I was working full time as a manager at Costco and she was a math teacher for high school. Both of us making decent money out there and God had put it in our heart to put our, our marriage as a priority. And part of that was to be closer to her family. So God put this, this, this vision in our heart and we're like, okay. And so we ended up leaving our decent paying jobs to come out here to Michigan with no jobs lined up. We moved in with her parents for a few months and those few months were rough. Um, I, was, I was looking for jobs like over and over again and, and it's like oftentimes I'd find the job is not what it advertised itself to be um, and so it didn't work out or I think they really questioned my intelligence because they're like this guy left San Diego whether to come to Michigan whether like he's clearly not smart so we're not going to hire him um, but it was tough and I was, I was like God we felt all these amazing things we know that you put this vision in our heart and it felt amazing. We were just like on this track. We were like, we're just going to say yes to everything. And then all of a sudden, like, things just started getting hard. And things were not just opening up and happening like we thought they would. And we were really struggling. Like, where, where, what are we doing here? And, like, where's the money going to come in from? And then eventually I ended up getting a part-time um, job as a UPS helper, which is a glorified Santa Claus, basically. I was dropping UPS packages off at people's doors during the holiday season. And then... And then they ended up hiring me to, to load up those big giant UPS freight trucks that go to the airport. And so I'm loading heavy boxes for hour after hour. And it, I mean, for you young 20 year olds, it was like, it'd be nothing. But for me, I was like, my backs are aching and I'm old. And, and then I'd get the paycheck and I just wanted to cry. It was the saddest paycheck I think. I think I would have rather worked for free. Um, it was a fraction of, of what I was making out in San Diego. And it was a struggle, and it was humbling, and we were relying on God in ways that we had never relied on him before. And I truly believe that he was slowly teaching us not to put our identity in our occupation or our money status, which is very tempting to do, especially when you live out in California. So many people, they, they make that such an emphasis to, to, you know, just describe you or identify you. And so I feel like he was doing this work and it's to teach us to rely on him in ways that we never could have if we did not go through this difficult season. I honestly think he was preparing us for ministry because you don't do ministry for the money. Um, but it was, it was amazing the lessons that he taught us in that. Some of you, right now, you're, you're right at this crisis point of belief, crisis of belief point. That's, we'll call that chapter one of the book of Habakkuk. 
You don't know what you believe right now. You're in the middle of chapter one and too many people walk away. Wondering, God, where are you at? What are you doing? And that's, that's really what chapter one is. It's, it's the wondering part. Like, God, where are you at? And what are you doing? And that actually can be very important part of your faith journey. And that's where Habakkuk was. He said, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. And God responded. And what God said was not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. It was starting to begin this journey. So let's look at God's response in Habakkuk 1.5. It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. In other words, God is saying, when I tell you this, you're going to be like, what? Like, God, are you sure? Like, you're going to be knocked off your feet. You're going to be utterly amazed. And so what is God saying? He says in verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians, the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. So to understand this, if you could imagine, if you're a Michigan fan, it'd be like God saying, like, the Ohio State fans are coming and they're taking over Michigan. Like, like the Babylonians were the Israelites' worst enemy. Sorry if there's any Ohio State fans in here. Sorry, not sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but then it goes on in Habakkuk. It says, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like the eagle, swooping to devour, and they come, all come intent on violence. So here's the story. Habakkuk, you're kind of bad. They're much worse. And I know all of you hate them, but I'm going to use them to destroy you. And Habakkuk's like, huh? Like what? If you put yourself in his shoes, you'd be like, like, that's not right. Like, that's not fair. I'm, I'm not that bad. And so here's the deal. What do you do when you're in the middle of chapter one and you're not sure what you believe? You want to believe, but you've got so many questions. Can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions? And I hope this is freeing for many of you tonight. But a deeply committed believer at the same moment can believe God and yet still be a little bit unsure. To give you a great example, Mark chapter 9, uh, you can read the story on your own um, sometime, but basically I'll summarize it. This father, he has a son who's possessed by an evil spirit. And this evil spirit is just tormenting this boy's life, wreaking havoc on it. And so when this father sees Jesus, he's just like, Jesus, can you do anything about this? And Jesus is like, I can do anything. With me, all things are possible. Do you believe that? And, and the father's like, yes, I do believe. But help me in my unbelief. And you can imagine in the father in some sense is saying like, like Jesus, I, I, there was a time where I truly believed and I felt all these amazing things and and I saw you doing these amazing works, but as, as going, my son was getting sick, and I would pray, and I would fast, and he wouldn't get better, and I'd pray, and I'd fast, and he still wasn't getting better, and it was getting more and more difficult. It's just not easy. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
And this is exactly what God and Habakkuk are going to wrestle with. Where God is saying, I'm going to do something that you're not going to believe. And it's going to be so amazing that you'll never doubt in that way again. But you wouldn't have gotten there unless you had taken, if I had taken you through the crisis of belief. So last fall we did a series called The Good Shepherd where we, we did Psalm 23 and um, a very powerful psalm. And in that psalm it says, he, he leads me on the right path. So it's talking about the shepherd leading the sheep on the right path. And then immediately after that it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So you're like, okay, so the shepherd is leading the sheep through the valley and that's considered the right path. And then the question is, like, why would a, a good shepherd lead his sheep through a valley of death? And the only probable answer would be, there must be something amazing that he wants you to see and experience on the other side. To allow you to go through such a difficult, hard time in your life. And I want you guys to watch as Habakkuk, he's simultaneous. He has faith and questions at the same time. And we see in Habakkuk 1, 12 through 14, it says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. And so that sounds very confident. It's a statement of faith. But then he questions again. He says, you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous? God, I believe, but it's difficult. Some of you right now, that's where you are. Chapter 1, and I've got bad news for you. Chapter 2 is not much better. You see, chapter 1, you're wondering... Chapter 2, you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. But if you stick with God, you will see that no matter what's going on around you, that you find yourself worshiping him, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. And you will worship him beyond all circumstances because of his nature and who he is. So what do you do for those that are right here in chapter one. You do the Habakkuk, which is you embrace him. You may wrestle with God. That means no matter what is going on around you, you Habakkuk. It sounds like high back kick, right? So just remember, high, you high back kick. <laughs> so you wrestle back and forth. You may even say, I, I don't understand, but you embrace him and you never let go. I want to have the, the worship team come up. So like I said, unlike some of the stories and movies we like where you might have a little humor and a little tension and then it tied up nicely and you're on your way and life goes on. I wish I had more to give you guys, but I don't have anything because sometimes in chapter one, all you can do is embrace, embrace him and trust him. I've seen way too many people in my life 
that at one point I saw them here, and then I saw them go through a difficult time in their life, and I saw them walk away. And again, maybe some of you know exactly, you're, you're thinking like I know some people in that in my life as well. And again, maybe some of you, you're like, that's me. You've been wronged. Someone hurts you in some way. God didn't answer your prayer. And I just want to encourage you. Sometimes we have to go through those, those difficult, hard trials and those valleys if we want to see ourselves in somewhere we never imagined is possible. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.